and welcome to episode number 53 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we go through the big bets, the big news, the big stories in the sports betting industry, the ever-changing sports betting industry, if you will. Brett, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find us on the Twitter machine at the Lions US at PlayPicks US. Brett, we have a nice guest. We have the voice of the play-by-play for the UFC and John Anik. He is also a podcast host and also a guy that's very familiar with the betting landscape. So a good conversation with him a little bit later. But here we sit, Brett, one year ago, you and I sitting on the Skype machine, on the uh, the, uh, Slack machine, and next thing you know, things blew up because our lives, our worlds, everything that we were thinking was the status quo had been blown to smithereens and PASPA was repealed. Yeah, one year since that happened as of, well, we're taping this Wednesday, but yeah, one year as of yesterday. But look, there have been a few bumps in the road from the operator side, certainly from the legislation side. You know, some of these bills being drawn up by people who do not understand how this industry works. But all in all, given where this industry was only two short years ago, We've got to be thrilled with the progress made across the country. You know, states have been aggressive in, in getting this legislation through, get it legalized and available. And it all starts with New Jersey, man. Not just the long battle with the leagues that got this all going in the first place, but the massive, massive success here in year one. Everybody's been watching, and clearly anybody who was on the fence before has to be all in on this space looking at what new jersey has accomplished absolutely i guess i you know i'm originally from the south i live now out in vegas so i live on the west coast i guess i didn't realize just how strategically positioned new jersey was i mean obviously i knew that it was close to new york but i guess i also didn't realize how close it was to philly and how close it is to even other states and and things like that to where they were able to get just such an influx of people and continue to get an influx of people as some of these states, specifically New York, continue to drag their feet in getting some legislation done over there, what we have seen after a year is 80 plus percent of the handle for the last few months over in New Jersey has come from mobile and online. And, you know, we say this all the time, but it is if you are passing these bills out there and you don't have an online component, then what are you doing? Why are you even doing it? It doesn't even make any sense. I understand. Get something going. Maybe you pass something down the line. But, I mean, we saw it again when the numbers came out yesterday, Brett. Another 80% of the handle came from mobile and online wagering. Yeah, and, you know, the state the state generated $313 million in total wagering uh, last month. Uh, obviously down from March Madness, but still a, a massive number. And like you said, 80% from uh, online uh, FanDuel and DraftKings accounting for most of that. But yeah, like you said, you, you cannot draw up legislation without that mobile component because it accounts for so much uh, of what is being bet. Out of nowhere, we got a new sports book in New Jersey on the anniversary as well. Borgata Sports launch. So if you were, if you are a big MGM player and were looking for a website where you can actually do the stuff on desktop, they did have the play MGM app, but weren't able to do things on desktop, so they did launch BorgataSports.com where you can go in. And that kind of came out of nowhere. That was uh, certainly something we didn't have on our radar. Uh, Too big there was Borgata Sports launching. And then DraftKings, of course, you knew they were going to do something big, and they offered everybody free $5.14 bets, including 
boosting up the Warriors to plus 514. So everything to have to do with May the 14th. So to win the championship, it was an $85 max bet, but still that is going to be a, I mean, I would have fired on that instantly. The Warriors are going to win it again, Brett, and you were able to get them at plus 500 when, as we'll talk about a little bit later, the odds are much, much worse on that for the Warriors. Yeah, I saw people complaining about the max, but come come on, people. They're this handing you free money, free essentially. money. Yeah. Free money. Like, you don't compl- let's not complain about this. I thought that was really cool. They had odds boost running all day. I think there's even still some odd, odds boosts uh, running this morning, too, that I saw. Uh, but, yeah, all, great promotion from, from uh, DraftKings kind of celebrating the the one-year anniversary of PASPA. And, uh, yeah, the, the Warriors – was definitely the one to, to bet yesterday. That was a huge equity uh, free roll. DraftKings sent us over some information on the one-year anniversary of the passport repeal. Of course, they didn't launch until August the 1st on mobile, and that is August 1st, 2018. They have taken 17 million bets and paid out $525 million out there to New Jersey bettors. So, that lets you know in a very short amount of time, a whole lot of money changing hands, a whole lot of money getting bet out there, and we are only going to see more. We are still waiting on Pennsylvania to get going here, but we do anticipate that to be happening here in the coming weeks. Of course, we have some new states that have uh, signed on laws as well. Of course, head over to Legal Sports Report. They ta- they cover that stuff top to bottom over there or listen to the LSR pod where you get all your information from Eric and and Adam and Dustin on on all those things that are going on but we do have Iowa now that is going to go live so Brett our next two years are going to be incredibly interesting our our travel schedules over the next two years might be incredibly interesting yeah we're up to eight states where sports betting is running right now we got six states plus Washington DC where it is legal and pending launch Tennessee is waiting on a signature from the governor but that's going to become legal uh this month then you got states like New Hampshire and Arkansas Illinois Colorado looking at possibly this year so by by this time next year it's it's potentially 15 plus states with some form of sports betting yeah even if it's only retail I mean you're right, it's, right, it's right. crazy, man. Yeah, and even in Tennessee, uh, we don't even have to get a signature there. It looks right, like yeah. the yeah, it looks like the governor is just going to let it run out. But they have a law there that you know if he doesn't if it passes, which it did, but he doesn't sign it if uh, after a certain amount of time, it just automatically becomes law. It looks like we're actually into the final week of that as it is. So it looks like we will have a legalized Tennessee market here in about a week as well. So interesting times, and again, you can get. All more information than you even want to read over at LegalSportsReport.com. Those guys putting out an incredible amount of content about all those things. But let's talk some big bets here, Brett, as we do every single week. And over at FanDuel, this was a hell of a bet. This was a $4,999, so basically a $5,000 six-leg parlay. It hit, of course. We're not going to talk about losers here. $525,867. He bet on the Mets, Yankees, Warriors, Pirates, Angels, and Red Sox. And my question to you, Mr. Colson, is hashtag how rich do you have to be to be betting $5,000 six-leg parlays? Yeah, is this guy still down? I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, is, is he seriously. betting? Are these, is he firing these parlays like every day? Like, that's that's what I want to know. Is, is he in in the positive after after this 525k hit yeah i mean this might have got him back to lifetime even or something <laughs> like that because i mean if you're firing five thousand dollars six leg parlays i mean 
uh, you know, if you guys listen to the the guys uh, Ed and Matthew we had on the on the pod last week, and they were sitting there talking about, you know, parlays aren't always bad, and I can understand that. You know, if you feel like you do have edge and two bets, Brett, and and maybe you want to maximize the return on that, you know, you can bet them each individually, and then also make a third parlay bet. Um, you know, listen, I get their theory behind all that, but. I don't think they're going to sit here and tell us that making six leg parlays is uh, is too profitable. No, and I yeah I I can't get behind this one. It's a it's it's I mean, it, it's worth telling the story of because there were some sweats here involved in this one. So it's and that's the other thing about this: there were three dogs in this bet. So like it wasn't it wasn't even like it was like oh the guy oh okay so he bet five thousand but he bet all these massive favorites no there were three favorites and three dogs in this bet here so I mean this was he took the Yankees at, at plus one forty eight he took the Warriors outright against the Rockets last week at plus two forty and then he took the Pirates outright at plus one thirty eight as well so I mean we are talking about three dogs in this bet as well. Yeah, and you got two one-run baseball games there, and the Rockets or uh, the the Warriors uh, were struggling there with the Rockets for a little while, but he managed to uh, pull it out in that game six. But uh, yeah, uh, good for him. We're gonna talk about easy come, easy go when it comes to these big bets as well. Points bet put out a thing, a big bet alert, and they were like, we took a forty-five thousand dollar in-game bet on the under in this uh, Indians and White Sox game, and this was on Tuesday of this week. Uh, it was four to nothing in the top of the fifth inning when they took the bet. He got under seven and a half runs. Brett, I monitored this one, and 17 minutes later, the game was eight to nothing. So this guy got to sweat his $45,000 bet for all of 17 minutes. Yikes. And then he lost. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like no sweat whatsoever, basically, as a matter of fact. It was 45K in game on an under that 17 minutes later was already eight to nothing and your under was blown to pieces. I felt bad for this person, whoever this person is. One, what are you betting 45K in game bets for anyway? I mean, what's going on? Yeah, especially uh, the White Sox. Who was on the mound that game? Do you remember? Was that yeah. was that Bieber? And yeah, I don't remember. I don't even know what pitches for the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I know that uh, Rodon is like going to get Tommy John or whatever. So like we know that he's he's not there's there. We definitely know that. Um, so $45,000 bet there. That one did not turn out as favorable. Of course, you guys remember James Aducci. He is the guy that bet $85,000 to win the $1.19 million on Tiger Woods in the Masters. Well, he's uh, he's put down more money here, Brett. Yeah, he, uh, he put down $100,000 at William Hill again. Uh, 100 to 1 odds. For Tiger to complete the Grand Slam, uh, he already won the Masters, so now he's got to win the PGA, which is this week. And Tiger's between eight and eleven to one to win that, and then the U.S. Open, where he's about ten to one, and then the British Open, where he's also around ten to one currently, at I think FanDuel and DraftKings. So here's a guy who told people he had an epiphany before he bet 85k on Tiger Woods to win the Masters. My question is why wouldn't you place this grand slam bet when you could have gotten 
what, 500 to one odds on this bet? Why why wait until after he wins the Masters to get 100 to one well, on that's this? The other thing is, is at this point at 100 to one, if you just rolled this over, you would make more money just betting the rollover as opposed yeah. as opposed to betting the 100 to one. Like I get it. Oh, it's 100 to one. And, and it's it's like much easier than it is having to like get down at a whole bunch of different books if you did the rollover. But I mean, if if you bet the 100K just on Tiger to win the PGA, like you said at the time, it was about 10 to one. So then you win a million dollars. If you take the whole 1.1 million and you roll it over into the US Open, then you're going to get another, you know, 10 million if you were to win there and then you would take that and then you'd roll that over in the British Open and then instead of making, you know, instead of making 10 million total, you would be free rolling the British British Open. You know, like you would have already made your 10 million after the US Open and then your the British Open bet would just be free. So like whatever you wanted to bet on the British Open, you would just be free rolling. You would have already gotten your 10 million dollars after the PGA and the US Open. So I I don't know I don't know. I don't I don't know why you would bet this at 100 to one instead of just rolling it over. No idea. This makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, th- this whole story is absurd. Man. This whole story. I know I can't I cannot wrap my brain around this thing. What is going on with this guy? James, give us a call, bro. Give it like come on the podcast. We will have you on here. Let's talk. Let's be friends. Let's be buddies. You know, let's do this. I have so many questions. I know. James Aducci. He is a he is, he is certainly an enigma. There's no doubt about that. Another big bet at Westgate. They took 46 bets on Tony Romo to win the Byron Nelson at 10,000 to one. Uh, Brett, he he uh, he he didn't win. He He gave some people an early an early sweaty. I think he made eagle on seven to get to get to minus two. He was two under. Yes. At some at one point he was ahead of 78 other golfers in the tournament. And then uh, it all came crashing down in the back nine. Yes, he did beat uh, Smiley Kaufman, though. And so as long as you beat Smiley Kaufman in tournaments, you are allowed to continue to play golf tournaments. If you finish finish below Smiley Smiley Kaufman, he used to be good. He hasn't made a cut. He had made a cut in like, he had literally hadn't made a cut in like 36 months. It's unbelievable. What what happened to this kid? I have questions about this guy too. Yeah, I don't know. And Smiley, former LSU. That's why we keep up with him. That's why I keep up with him. Uh, Former LSU Tiger. And boy, the guy is just having the most rough stretch. I think any golfer has ever had ever. I mean, it is yeah, just he's like he's boys with Ricky and JT and all those guys. He was in all those Instagram videos and all of a sudden he's just, I, yeah. I don't know what happened to this kid. Yeah, it is. It is horrible. It's uh, but Romo did finish above the smiley line. So he is able to, <laughs> he is able to compete in, in tournaments moving forward. That is for sure. Is that and, the, that's like the Mike Weir masters line. Yeah, yeah, it is. We're, we're now have the, we now have the Kaufman line. Essentially, if you can finish above smiley Kaufman, then you continue to play these tournaments. If you want to Tony <laughs> Romo, uh, per Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, one guy did take 10,000 on Tiger Woods to win the PGA at 10 to one. So that's going to return 100K to him. That actually moved the odds to eight to one because they were just so had so, so, so much liability on Tiger Woods. And you're saying, how can they have so much liability? Well, seven percent of all tickets wagered are on Tiger Woods, but 28 percent of all money is on Tiger Woods over at the Westgate, Brett. What are these people doing? I mean, I get it. It's a feel good story. It's redemption. I understand. But holy mackerel. I mean, we are talking a tournament with dozens of golfers in it and 28 percent of the money is on one guy. Just firing the steam. <laughs> just just rolling with the steam, I guess. I, I, I uh, if look, if Tiger, if Tiger wins this week, it's obviously a great story and it, it just keep it going. I and mean, it's great for the sport. It's great for all sports in general. Yes, it but, is. It is. Uh not likely. Let's just put it that way. 
not yeah. likely to happen. I don't think so. Uh, which leads us right into the PGA. As Brett mentioned, this is going on this weekend, and we will have a new PGA champion um, here in four-ish days as you listen to this podcast here. Tiger, of course, opened as the favorite at the sports books. No longer the betting favorite actually here. He was at like 700, 850 at the two major sports books over there in New Jersey. No longer, though, he is fallen over at FanDuel. If you take a look right now, Brooks Kepka is actually the favorite, plus 950 over there. And Dustin Johnson, Roy McElroy have actually moved ahead of Tiger Woods as well. Dustin Johnson at 11 to 1, so is Roy McElroy. And then you get to Tiger Woods at 12 to 1. So at least what we're seeing, Brett, is some some people are coming to their senses and understanding that listen, this is a great story with Tiger Woods here, but if you just look at the overall body of work and really just what they bring to the table, you know, Tiger at his advanced age and these guys in their primes, you know, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy are are just better golfers. Yeah, that's the thing. They are better golfers. Like Tiger won one tournament, which it was the tournament, so all eyes are on Tiger, and people are going to bet him accordingly. But this is a great opportunity to get some value on these other guys, um, like you know, Rory, Dustin at, at eleven to one. When I mean, you know, they they were. I think Rory was even lower last week, so his odds. So people are betting Rory up to where he's at around you know eleven or ten to one. But man, there, there's. There are so many good golfers now that you can you can find some value even in the mid-tier. If you do want Kepka, head over to DraftKings, however. He is plus 1,100 over there, so you're getting 11-1 to 1 on him where you're only getting 9.5-1 to 1 over at FanDuel. However, if you want DJ and Rory... Um, if you want DJ and Rory, you're going to want to head to to FanDuel there because you are getting 11-1. to 1. They are 10-1 to 1 over at DraftKings. So If you do like Tiger... DraftKings is running an odds boost on him, fifteen to one right now too. So I mean, I guess if you do like Tiger, the DraftKings, DraftKings is the place to do it. Yeah, so definitely shop around, guys. And if you're over there in the New Jersey market, obviously, uh, you're you're so lucky because if it's if it's not DraftKings or FanDuel, there's still BetStars and there's still you know all these others. There's you know we just mentioned Borgata launched. There's Caesars over there. There's what so there's so many different places to shop. So. Uh, be sure and do that because the these guys are being highly, highly competitive right now, and you are able to, you are definitely able to find different numbers out there. It's not like it is over here in Vegas, where a lot of times the numbers just kind of settle in, and that is not uh, not the case over there in New Jersey. Good, good on you guys. That's the only thing. That's the only thing, Brett. What makes me wish I'd lived on the East Coast and have to get through those horrible winters and the summers and everything like that would just be the fact that I would get to shop all those damn lines. Yeah, nice. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm in Buffalo and I don't have any of that. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. At least it's not snowing anymore. You get no benefits of any of the stuff. Like you're 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 you just you're just there. You're you're you, actually what you get, the only benefit you get is the is shoveling maybe a maybe a little less snow or something. <laughs> yeah, there's no guarantee that the snow is gone for good. It's May 15th. We might still get some before June here. So I mean, when was your last snow? Like two two days ago. No, it was it was probably a few weeks ago. But okay. you just know right. you just right. you just never know though, man. It could come at any time. It was nice and ninety two here yesterday. It was it was Good it was God. it was it was wonderful. It really was. Uh if you are a Justin Thomas fan like I am, love, love, love watching Justin Thomas play golf, of course. He is out of this tournament, so if you're playing DFS for any reason, if you put in a very, very early lineup or something, be sure. Get him out of there. He had to withdraw. He's still dealing with a wrist injury out there for him 
Bummer for me, Brett, because I, I don't know. It, something about JT, man, when he gets out there and he actually gets when he's when he's on and he's rolling. I just love watching that dude hit the golf ball. He would have been a sneaky uh, little daily fantasy player this week, too, because nobody was talking about him. And he opened, I think, the 13 to between 13 to one, 16 to one to win this tournament. A guy who at, when he's at his best, it might be the best in the world. He is. Yeah. When you're talking about just, just a top-to-bottom game, right? Like off the tee, short game, putting, everything. When everything's clicking for him, he is he really is like a, a top 10 in all of the categories up there. Yeah, and he fit pretty well for this course, too. And this course would not let me on the course. I mean, when there's a course that has a sign. <laughs> An actual sign. That actually has a sign that says, hey, this course is really hard. Maybe rethink playing today. I, I, yeah, that is, uh, that's a course that's probably not built for me. Yeah, this uh, so we're talking about Beth Page Black, a public course in Long Island, rarely used by the PGA. Uh, it hosted the U.S. Open in 2002, 2009. But most of these guys are unfamiliar with how brutal this course is. Uh, so not a lot of course history to pull when you're looking for guys to bet on. Um, it is long. It is the nearway. The, the, the fairways are narrow. The rough is a nightmare. There are bunkers surrounding the greens there's bunkers all over the place uh so you need to hit greens and fairways but also have enough distance to have a chance at scoring and the weather looks kind of sketchy as well it's going to be really it looks like it's going to be pretty cold on thursday so disadvantage to the guys in the morning and then it's going to be wet making the conditions even tougher the course is going to be longer so this is going to be challenging and probably not a lot of fun for some of these guys who are just kind of there um, so, man, I, but this is, this is the kind of tournament that I love watching. I love watching the best in the world really struggle uh, to find success. So it I mean, humanizes them to you. It really does, man. I love it. It's uh, and, and we were not kidding about that guys. There is a sign warning. The black course is an extremely difficult course, which we recommend only for highly skilled golfers. It hangs right on the fence as you're walking in and, that would pretty much tell me I should just uh, head to the bar, Brett. I'm just going to head to the bar. I'll meet you guys later because I am not one of those highly skilled golfers. Yeah, otherwise you're spending what a, a full day on the course just trying to get out of the out of the <laughs> rough and the. I mean, just, no thanks, man. I would that, I would just have to make a deal with the group behind me and be like, listen, if I get in a bunker, I'm just going to pick the thing up and <laughs> yeah. I'll just move on. Like I'm not going to try and hit it out of the bunker. I'm not whatever. Like I'll play this course, but I won't really play it. Play it. I'll just go out there and kind of like I'll tee off. Hopefully it hits somewhere in the fairway or not terrible rough. And if it does, I'll just pick the ball up and move on. I'll just keep on going. Yeah. Yeah, it, hopefully the cart girl will come back by at some point. <laughs> we just continue to get lubricated and uh, and don't really care about it at that point where we're hitting the ball. Another big thing we mentioned heading uh, heading into a sports weekend that's kind of a sneaky big sports weekend is the Preakness. And Preakness going on here, Brett, but it is a little less enticing than it has been in years past for the first time in a very, very long time. The winner of the Kentucky Derby will not run in the pre. So we will not have a triple crown winner this year. Yeah. Country house who the one of course says the long shot in that controversial Derby finish uh, is out, I think because of a cold. So that's, yeah, it drains a lot of the excitement out of the, of just horse racing altogether. And we're also going to see maximum security who did win the race and then was disqualified also out this week. So, I think right now we're only we only have a field of eleven in the Preakness this week. We got War of Will, 
and improbable expected to be the two betting favorites when the post positions are announced on Wednesday evening. So by the time this is up, we should have uh, the field and the odds uh, official for Saturday's race. But yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but I think still worth watching just because of I mean, look, these are the best of the best and they're racing. Uh, even though we've only got four horses here from the Derby in this field, I, th- I, st- I still think this is worth watching. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch this because I'm a sports fan, but this is going right. to destroy ratings. Like, ratings are going to be horrible for this. Whenever they announce, because this it's going to be the talking point leading into the race. I mean, they have to bring it up. So in the pre-race show, when they're talking about that the Kentucky Derby winner is not going, the guy who looked like he won is not going, there's going to be a lot of people at that point that tune right the hell out of 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 the race and you know i get it if you're just a completely casual fan who's tuning in i mean you're really tuning in to see if we're going to have another triple crown winner you're not you're not really into who's winning who's going to win the preakness no i i I guess one storyline you can it's kind of reaching is war of will who was cut off by maximum security is in this field could have won the derby but i I don't i mean you're really just stretching it there i i don't see a whole lot of reason to watch this unless it, I mean, it is an event, you know, right. If you're right. a sports fan, this is an event to watch. And it's, of course you can still bet on it too. Yeah. And of course at the lines at play picks head over there, we will have analysis and breakdowns and everything like that of this. If you do want to get in some action on this, so be sure and take that in. And of course, as we've mentioned before, Brett, you might not realize it, but you can bet in a lot of States. So even if you are not one of the States that has legalized sports betting quite yet, there is some carve outs for horse racing. So there's actually a little over 30 states in the United States where you can bet online and bet on horse racing. So uh, we also have a sign up offer over there on the lines and play picks. So be sure and take advantage of that. It's free money at TVG. So, uh, yeah, you might as well take free money if you're interested in, in firing on this. Yeah, if you didn't take that 20 free bucks at the Derby, take advantage this week. Better chance of winning. Only better, 11 horses. Exactly, exactly. Look at it that way. A better chance of winning. Uh, speaking of winning, my Pelicans, my New Orleans Pelicans did just that. They won the Zion Williamson lottery. They only had a 6% chance going in to the lottery on Tuesday night to come out with the number one overall pick. Of course, Knicks fans had their hearts broken everywhere. Uh, they were one of the favorites to be able to pull that number one pick and the Knicks did not get it ended up with the number three pick Memphis landed at number two and then the Pelicans at number one the Pelicans futures over at the Westgate fell from 300 to one to 25 to one which I think is a little a little crazy a little a little crazy (laughs) here I have no idea why it would fall I guess maybe they just assumed they were going to get an influx of money and didn't want to get a uh, an influx of money at 100 to one just in case like just in case they can talk Anthony Davis into staying, just in case they don't magically pull, you know, a, a crazy free agent signing or something. So I, I, I guess it was a little bit of a height protection, if you will, from those guys. But yeah, I mean, 25 to one for this Pelicans team that where Anthony Davis is most likely still going to be leaving town is is just a little ridiculous. Yeah. And you've got a kid coming in who's Basically, I mean, they're going to draft Zion, of course, unless they trade the pick. And he's the same player as Julius Randle. So that's that's kind of a weird dynamic. And, yeah, you don't know the future of Anthony Davis and what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. There's just a lot of question marks 
right now. So it's hard. <laughs> it's a difficult task, really, of of setting a line or odds on the Pelicans after what happened last night. But twenty five to one is, is kind of silly. Of course, the Knicks were a pretty big betting favorite to take it all down in twenty twenty, strictly because of all the rumors of Kyrie Irving heading there, with Kevin Durant possibly heading there, with them. Possibly getting the number one overall pick. Of course, we as we mentioned, they did not get that. They still holding steady, sixteen to one. However, because you know they would be one of the trading spots for Anthony Davis should he still demand to be out of New Orleans. So that's still on the table there. Of course, getting Durant, getting Irvin still is is on the table for the Knicks. And so at sixteen to one, they are still one of the the, the kind of the favorites out there to take down the 2020 championship so all hope is not lost for Knicks fans quite yet of course we'll see how free agency plays out and if Anthony Davis does in fact uh, really really want out of New Orleans and the Knicks become a viable option for him I thought the Knicks made out pretty well in the lottery considering what happened to the Cavs and the the Suns and not the Cavs the the Suns and the uh, the Bulls yeah falling out of the top four there they had the same chance of getting the number one pick as the Knicks and fell. I think the, the 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 Bulls were seven. So yeah, don't feel bad for Knicks fans. They made out okay. They'll still land R.J. Barrett or, uh, or or John Morant. Yeah, yeah, they they're they're going to be okay. And again, maybe they trade that pick out for right. an already established uh, superstar. So it, it's uh, all is not lost for the Knicks for sure. This offseason is going to be madness. Going to be crazy. In other NBA news, though, if you were watching the second round of the NBA playoffs, of course we are. Uh, just entering, uh, out, just coming out of the second round there. But underdogs went 16-9 and nine against the spread in the second round of the NBA playoffs. But favorites overall in the entire NBA playoffs still lead 34-31-1 against the spread. The Warriors still a favorite to win the whole thing. Minus 180 at FanDuel to win the whole championship. Bucks plus 240, Raptors plus 550, and Blazers Plus 3,300, and that might even be generous if you go by what we saw on Tuesday night. This Warriors team, everybody talking about the injury to Kevin Durant, and of course, it's never good whenever you lose a player of Kevin Durant's stature, but I think people slept on the fact, and maybe just because it's been a couple years, they might have forgotten, Brett, that this team still had three other All-Stars. They still have three friggin' All-Stars that are healthy and on the court, they showed it on Tuesday night and I think are very warranted to be minus 180 favorites to take down the uh, the whole thing. I was so angry when they signed Durant that I actually had to take that they'd be worse with Durant. I don't think that is what has happened. I think they're certainly better with Durant, but they're still the best team in the league without Durant. I think they've made that pretty clear here in the last three games. And yeah, the Blazers, the Blazers, I think the Blazers had to win game one. They can still win game two and get you know home court back in their favor, but that was a disaster on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation where you're definitely not worse with a guy like Kevin Durant, but at the same time, when you do have four you know, guys that demand the ball, there's, there's only one ball, you know? And so, I mean, we kind of saw a little bit of old school Warriors on Tuesday night where it was Clay and Steph kind of bombing the threes, Draymond really trying to cause some havoc down low, distributing pretty well. And, you know, a little bit more old school stuff because they couldn't just rely on Durant, who might be the best pure scorer in NBA history of all time, to just take over a game like he has done so often. I mean, there's so many times where we've seen Clay and Steph just fade into the background because 
Durant can do it all. And without him out there on the court, they really had to step up. And you just remember how special both of those guys are. Yeah, and Durant helps them tremendously on the defense, defensive side of the ball. I think that's where they lose the most with him out uh, because you get Curry, Curry. When Curry won, was winning his MVPs, that was that was the NBA at its peak for me. That was so much fun to watch Curry and and splat and uh, in the Splash Brothers, Clay Thompson. Those two guys were amazing. And we're start, we're seeing some of that again here. I just love watching those two work with the ball in their hands, and they are the center, you know, the centerpiece of that offense. And I, I've missed that. I'm so glad we get to see some of it, at least for you know one, maybe two games uh, here in this in this round. I don't think this is going to last much longer. Is it even worth if they win game two? Let's say let's say Durant <laughs> doesn't play game two. Is it even worth bringing him back? I mean, certainly maybe not for this. See, I mean, I think maybe you bring it back for the finals, but oh, I mean, yeah, of like, the finals. Yeah, I just mean for this round. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Not at all. It's yeah, it is. It is something else for sure. If you guys want to bet the Raptors, you want to head over to DraftKings. They are at least plus 700 over there, whereas we just mentioned they are uh, only at 550 over at uh, over FanDuel. So, you know, if you want to take the Raptors, you're getting seven to one instead of five and a half to one over at DraftKings. But just save your money it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen just save your money they're not even gonna get past they're not even gonna get past the bucks much less the the warriors so uh yeah that's not gonna happen i guess if if you're in new jersey and you got that warriors uh from promo that you maybe hedge (laughs) right right. that's really the only way you're gonna make out i think betting the raptors we talked about at the top of the show john anik is the Play-by-play voice for the UFC, a guy who's very familiar with the betting landscape, a guy who used to host a poker show over at ESPN, was able to sit down and talk to him a little bit about how the UFC views the whole gambling thing, how he feels that announcers and, and leagues and even you know the, the providers themselves feel about all this stuff, and a really, really sharp guy, and hope to have a bunch more of him on the podcast, but here's our chat with John Annick. Joined here on the Lions podcast by John Anik. He is the play-by-play voice of the UFC. He's host of the Anik Florian podcast. You can find him on the Twitter machine at John underscore Anik. John, it has been a long time. You and I first met, I guess it's been, hell, eight, eight-ish years ago. You might not, uh, you don't let it know be known a, a lot, and a lot of people might not actually know, but you have some poker roots. You have some gambling roots in you from your days back at ESPN. I will never forget being in Bristol, Connecticut on Black Friday, uh, hosting a show called Inside Deal back in the day for ESPN.com. And I believe that show now ceases to exist for any number of different reasons. But, uh, yeah, that was crazy because I had only been doing the show for, uh, you know, a handful of times or months. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with uh, – with that bomb that was Black Friday. So uh, needless to say, it was a time that uh, that I will never forget in my professional life. And uh, yeah, now we got poker stars all over the UFC and uh, moving in the right direction, I guess. I, when I saw that deal get announced, I was like, man, what what a blast for the from the past for John Anik, who definitely, yeah. definitely was was talking about poker stars and full tilt and all those back in the day. And then here everything comes full circle, especially with things that are going on right now in the United States. But before we get into the specifics of everything, just 
a brief a brief overview, the cliff notes, if you will, of how did you get started in all of this, in the whole media business? How did you hosting a poker show at ESPN even come about? Well, you know, at ESPN, as you well know, and some of your listeners might, a lot of anchors and, and not analysts per se, but a lot of the anchors host types, they want to be a Swiss army knife, a jack of all trades. And I certainly wanted to be that for a time when I was there, I was hosting a golf show called quiet, please. I was doing inside deal on the poker side, uh, was doing some mixed martial arts and some boxing stuff, just doing some shows on niche sports, even fantasy football back in the day, wasn't the monster that it is right now. And you wanted to prove yourself. You wanted to prove that if they needed somebody to go host a poker show, even though I played less than 10 times in my life, I think at that point, uh, that you could go out there and do a pretty good job. So that was the impetus for that. Just wanting to show that you could do anything that they put, you know, across your desk. Uh, but for me, you know, I started out as a print journalist, you know, making $25 a story covering high school girls, volleyball. And I think eventually I sort of came to a realization that I might be a better broadcast journalist than a print journalist. I, I think I, I was a clean writer, but I wasn't the greatest creative writer in the world. And even writing a lead for a high school girls volleyball story sometimes would just take me forever. So <laughs> I transitioned to broadcasting and, uh, you know, it was slow going at first, uh, but eventually I was doing the mouthpiece boxing radio show. And that sort of gave me some cachet in the combat sports world. And that's what facilitated the audition for MMA live, which was a show, uh, initially on ESPN.com and eventually ESPN too. Um, but all the while that stuff was going on, there were other shows like inside deal and quiet please that needed hosts. Um, ultimately I think the reason why I left ESPN after six years was part of that, right. That I was sick of being a Swiss army knife. I was sick of being a highlight machine, you know, doing overnights. I wanted to do live events. I wanted to do play by play and getting one or two college football games a season wasn't sort of scratching that itch. So it's been a, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, I, I attended my first mixed martial arts show 13 years ago. And, uh, and now I've devoted the last eight or nine years of my life to that sport. So you take a look at the UFC and we just mentioned, you know, the UFC and the poker stars deal and, and all that. As we see the expansion of gambling across the United States, of course, with the repeal of PASPA. And for those that don't know, uh, while John lives over in Florida now, did live in Vegas for a time, uh, definitely knows the sports gambling landscape, certainly knows the sports gambling space as well, is a better himself. So he certainly knows everything that we talk about on this podcast and things that go on across the country. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, a lot of these leagues are fighting all of this. And one of the things you see from the UFC, and this is before even the repeal of PASPA, was you would see the odds on the screen. You guys would talk about who was the favorite in a fight. And as opposed to some of these other leagues that won't, you know, basically try to act like gambling is is this new thing. It didn't just, you know, it didn't just sprout up overnight. We we both know that. But they try to act like it's, you know, this, this new thing. And how are we going to deal with it? Where you guys have really actually embraced the whole gambling aspect. Yeah, for sure. There's been a warm embrace to it. I mean, I remember when I was hosting MMA Live at ESPN back in 2008, and we weren't flaunting the odds graphically, but you can be sure every chance I got to say, you know, Anderson Silva's minus 360 against Chael Sonnen, I was throwing that stuff out there, and I was encouraged to do so because my bosses at the time were into the sports gambling stuff, and they were younger guys, and they, they understood the value. You know, the thing that I always say when I'm asked about this stuff is that at the end of the day, for me, it was – 
really just another lens through which to look at these fights. You know, Kevin Lee and Rafael Dos Anjos this weekend, why does Vegas think Kevin Lee in his UFC welterweight debut is the betting favorite, right? So it's always interesting for me to see how Vegas looks at a given fight. And so that's really the place it came from back in 2008 when I was talking about it. I just thought it was a point of interest, something that fans would find interesting. When the Fox deal with the UFC was consummated, I started dropping the odds on a broadcast here or there. And our Fox executive at the time, George Greenberg, was like, hey, I like that. Why don't you mention the main card odds from now on? So every fight on the main card, I want you to drop the odds. And I was like, thank you, sir. I would be happy to do that for you. You know, so and I think it's evolved from there. Obviously, the legalization is a big cornerstone in this discussion and something that is certainly going to lead to that being more widely accepted. But again, man, and you know this as well as anybody, I always wondered not only why did the, why did the leagues not embrace it, but why didn't the anchors and the host types sort of embrace it as another lens through which to look at these sporting events. You know, um, I just was surprised that, you know, you're always looking for fresh things and fresh ways to look at these events. You have a lot of time to fill. And I've always been surprised why you didn't see people saying, oh, you know, Vegas sees the Patriots as a seven point favorite. You know what? I mean, you do 15 minutes on that, you know, so I'm happy to see it. And uh, it's only going to get, you know, more prominent, more prevalent from here on out. Yeah. Being a broadcaster and you being with one of the major sports leagues and being on television all the time. What role do you think and what role do you see broadcasters taking with all this moving forward? Is this going to be something where I mean, you said you kind of just started dropping it and then you got the the go ahead and the thumbs up from the higher ups after that. Is this going to be kind of a do you think it's going to be having worked with major networks and whatnot? Do you think this is going to be a slow grind because the higher ups are going to be kind of glacier fast, if you will, of trying to let the, the broadcasters actually work this stuff naturally into the content? It's a good question. I really think a lot of it's network by network and maybe executive by executive, even at some of these networks, right? You may find that one executive who's assigned to boxing and mixed martial arts embraces the gambling stuff and the odds more than maybe the executive who's in charge of NBA programming does. All I'll tell you as someone who started at ESPN in 2006 and then was at Fox for a time and now back at ESPN. I have never sort of had any sort of resistance or Heisman Trophy in my face when I have tried to mention the odds. I think there have certainly been times where maybe I was spoken to for, you know, calling myself a degenerate on the air or whatever (laughs) it may be. But for the most part, I think a lot of people, if you even executives, if I respectfully say, look, this is just another lens through which to look at these sports, they kind of get it from that standpoint. You know, when you just say to someone, can you believe that, uh, that fighter a is a six to one favorite and you know, you get them sort of surprised and interested and then that ends up being good content. So content is king at the end of the day. And I think that you're going to see most of the executives embrace it. I think the real question is the sports leagues, right? I don't worry so much about TV executives, but getting the sports leagues to, to all get on board so that there comes a time where, you know, I don't have to move my family to Nevada to legally bet on sports. Because being down here in Florida, you know, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I've always said that fighting, per se, you know, in general, boxing, whether it be MMA, it, uh, I think that that is built for the odds being displayed and prominently and talked about simply for the fact that when you have people tuning in and if they don't follow, I mean, obviously, you know how it goes. 
that people hear about a big fight. They get together with buddies. They might not follow the sport at all uh, throughout the course of the year, and they tune into a big pay-per-view or whatever it might be. At least it gives them a frame of reference of who, who the two guys are when they're standing in the octagon, right? I mean, it, you, this guy's exactly. really good because he's minus 400. This guy, you know, it, it's still a good fighter, but certainly is supposed to lose to him. He's, you know, he's sitting over here at plus 380 or something. At least it gives these guys a frame of reference as to which as to what's going on inside the cage. And so I've always been, especially from a combat sports aspect, thinking that the the odds and talking about the odds and the, the betting aspect of it in general can just help the casual fan too. Absolutely. And even if you don't have action on the fight, you hear somebody is announced as a plus 380 underdog and you don't have a dog in the fight. And then all of a sudden, maybe there's your rooting interest. You know, I'm going to root for this guy who's plus 380 because nobody's given him a chance. Right. And then also when you talk about just some of the, the, the betting options that are out there, whether it's daily fantasy type stuff or even just some of the online sports books, if you're not in a place where it's legalized, even just five, you know, throw five bucks on a fight, all of a sudden you have a vested interest and you're totally locked in. You know, for me, obviously, I care about all of these fighters and fights deeply that I don't, well, I'm, I'm contractually prevented from betting on them, but I don't need the action. But someone like my twin brother, when he's watching these prelims, having a little bit of action, now he's all in. So I think that's sort of another layer to it. But purely from an informational standpoint, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it gives some sort of context, especially in combat sports, that, uh, that you wouldn't be getting if we were just ignoring it. You actually kind of gave an opinion there on my next question, which was going to be you know I, I've talked about golf being one of the sports that I feel has the most to gain from the legalization of widespread sports betting I think that uh, people who maybe our age that grew up watching golf you know certainly Tiger Woods was the uh, the the person that put the golf on the map for a lot of people. However, you know, even to this day, if Tiger's not in contention, if Tiger's not, you know, even playing a tournament or whatever it might be, you can see it in the ratings. You see that people aren't tuning in. However, with sports betting and with them able to get, like you said, even $5 down on something, uh, they might start tuning into these things. And so I, I said golf has a lot to gain. What do you think the UFC has to gain from the, the widespread, you know, legalization of sports betting? Well, as much, if not more than golf, right? I think not unlike the PGA Tour, we're live 80% of weekends a year. I think our schedule is probably uh, more robust than theirs is. So I think for us, that's a huge part of it. Uh, see, for me as a golf better, right? Like I don't bet the Honda Classic, right? But you can be sure I'm betting every major all year, right? But if there was less sort of on my sports plate, you can be sure that I would be betting the Honda Classic. And then you're completely locked in from Thursday to Sunday and think about what type of residual value the PGA Tour is getting. Somebody like me paying attention to a leaderboard for the Honda Classic on a Thursday. Um, but I think for the UFC, our sport intrinsically is difficult for a lot of people to understand. And even though our analyst Dominic Cruz and everybody else are, are masters at simplifying it, there's a lot of things in our sport that are complicated, even when an analyst tries to simplify it for you. I feel like the gambling stuff is, is pretty straightforward and it, it pretty straightforward, I should say. And it gives people sort of a, 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 an easy frame of reference fighter, a fighter B, this guy's supposed to beat this guy. And now let's just watch, you know, sort of a, a sophisticated fist fight with grappling. You know what I mean? So I think for us, um, we're in Vegas. We've been ahead of it to begin with. I mean, I think the Vegas angle, at least right now, is pretty big for the UFC because we're the only major sports league that is based there with respect to uh, 
you know, rodeo and some other things that might be trickling out there. But um, I just really feel like we, because we got ahead of it, uh, we stand to, to gain pretty considerably, even us doing an interview like this, right? You acknowledge the fact that the UFC sort of was ahead of the curve when it comes to flaunting it, talking about it, not afraid to embrace it. So hopefully the snowball, you know, keeps going. I can't let you out of here without talking about uh, your Boston sports teams. This guy over here uh-huh. that I've got on here is a Boston sports fan. I can't stand you people, but you're one of the good guys out there. How did the Super Bowl feel this year? How confident were you going into the Super Bowl? I, I mean, I can only imagine how that must have gone for you. Well, I just have to say, you know, these organizations are all so well run and we had a lot of lean years as Boston sports fans. So it's been pretty incredible. Uh, I actually went to the Super Bowl this year. So that tells you I was pretty confident to 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 actually plop down several thousand dollars and, and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I just didn't think Jared Goff was going to be able to beat the Patriots, to be honest with you, uh, as much as I like Sean McVay and as much as I like that Rams offense. I just I just felt pretty confident that the Patriots were going to be able to shut down Jared Goff, and that's kind of the way it played out. Um, so, I, dude, I, I drove through the night. I had to go to Australia for a UFC pay-per-view a few days after. So right after the Super Bowl ended, I drove through the night 600 miles, just totally on adrenaline from Atlanta to Boca Raton, Florida, so that I could get to Melbourne, Australia a few days later. Had the Rams won. I would have stopped and stayed the night in Jacksonville because it wouldn't have been that, that adrenaline to take me through the night. But, uh, you know, we feel very, very fortunate, obviously. And, and, you know, the thing is, too, is like everybody thinks us Boston fans are a bunch of dicks, right? Like I'm, I'm older now. I'm 40 years old. I am very excited for, you know, my good friend who's a San Diego Padres fan that they got Manny Machado and they might be turning the corner. Like nothing would make me happier than for some of these star fan bases to actually realize championships. But, uh, yeah, you can be sure if the Bruins somehow win the Stanley Cup, I'm not going to be very nice about it. <laughs> he is the play-by-play voice of the UFC, host of the Anik Florian podcast. You can find him on Twitter at John underscore Anik. John, please, 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 whenever football season rolls around, I want to start hearing about your picks. I want to start hearing about what's going on. I want you to go full-fledged tout mode out there for everyone. <laughs> Dude, whatever you need, man. It was good to hear from you. And uh, we got we to get you on the Anakin Florian podcast one of these days so we can shop it up over there. Absolutely. Thanks for the time, John. Appreciate it, buddy. Pleasure, my man. You know, Brett, John talked a little bit there about how the UFC really before most of the other leagues, I mean, they were posting lines and they were posting odds of fights and things before the repeal of PASPA. It, they they were never a league that acted like gambling w- didn't exist before this whole repeal of PASPA where all these other leagues are trying to act like, oh, this is some new thing that hasn't been going on for 50, 60 years, you know, as it is. And so, you know, that's one of the deals where I think that they were a little bit lucky for the fact that they were owned by guys that were casino owners. And so they are obviously super open to gambling in the Fertitta brothers. Of course, now they have sold off the UFC to, to WME and they've moved on. But, you know, I think whenever you look at this, I think if more leagues would just kind of take the approach, because here's the deal. You know what you don't ever hear about is like, oh, isn't it weird that the UFC has lines up? Isn't it weird that the UFC talks about gambling? It's just because it's so normalized because they've been doing it for so long that it's not even a thing. And so if these leagues would quit making such a big deal about it and just kind of naturally integrate it into broadcast and into things uh, moving forward, I think they're not going to catch any near as much of the backlash and any of the stuff that they talk about as they are because it's just so normal for the UFC that, that nobody even brings it up. Yeah, the leagues want 
their share. They just want to make sure they're getting paid. That has been priority number one. Not uh, not factoring in how much gambling is going to help them long term. They just want to make sure they're getting a piece and it's it's there. Like it is guaranteed. And that has been uh, a problem since the start. It was a very good week to have Anik on, of course, a guy that is on television in media, has worked for big sports networks over at ESPN because here we find ourselves with a massive amount of news coming out of kind of sports and media and partnerships and whatnot. First and foremost, our good friend Gil Alexander, he has been on this show before the Anthem Sports and Media. It's a company based out of based out of Canada, but they're getting some stuff going in the United States as well. They actually just announced that they're building a studio at the Meadowlands over there, so they will be doing programming out of the Meadowlands. It's a multi-year deal with Meadowlands, and VEASAN actually signed a deal with Anthem Sports to have a Gil Alexander show to air on one of their networks up in Canada. It's called the Game Plus Network, so uh, Gil will be on the air, so that's pretty cool, Brad. I mean, a very sharp dude, and of course, Sinclair took over. The finally won the, the bidding rights for the Fox Sports Regionals, and the reason that is such a big deal, Brad, and one of the things that is a little bit of a head-scratcher is because Fox came out and bought a piece of the Stars Group. The Stars Group is the parent company to Poker Stars, also the parent company to Stars Bet. This is a very, uh, I mean, to Bet Stars. And this is a very, very interesting partnership here because Fox has the ability in this deal to buy up to 50% of the U.S. operations of the stars group within this deal here. So Fox decided they were going to be the first people to really dive headfirst into this. Yeah. If you want the full details here and some good insight, highly recommend listening to the legal sports report podcast from last week. I know you guys hit this one. Uh, We'll also have some, some pieces coming at the lines looking exactly at what this means as far as a product. It looks like Fox will be rolling out a free to play product for states that don't have legal sports betting and a real money product for states that do have online gambling available already. This could mean Pennsylvania. This could mean New Jersey. This could mean even Nevada. Um, so this this is this is a massive deal because Darts Bet has been struggling in New Jersey up to this point. Now they get Fox, the Fox brand. Uh, to kind of bolster up their product, and this is going to be everywhere. You did it too. I did it. As, I did it the first time as well. Bet stars, not stars bet. Bet stars, but yes, I did it. The I did it the first time as well. Uh, <laughs> reverse the two, the, uh, the the two words in the deal there. Fox, yeah, bet stars. Yes, uh, we will have Fox Bet, which is going to be the app here, and Fox Bet is going to basically you know capture information brett and we know that information is king here anytime you go to any retail store there'll be a pop-up it'll be say save 10 percent if you give us your email address it'll be whatever everybody wants information everybody wants to be able to reach you everybody wants to be able to market to you and that's what the fox bet app at its in its inception is going to be because it's going to just be running free-to-play games in these states where they can't make any money whatsoever but what they are getting is your valuable information. They are getting a person who has given their 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 name and what state they live in and their email address, and they know that you are at least somewhat prone 
to being a gambler and possibly gambling for real money when it finally does come to your state. And so I think this is a very powerful deal. I think the brand of Fox is a very powerful deal as well. Of course, you and I, Poker Stars means a lot more to you and me than it does to the average American. You and I grew up in poker. You and I understand the powerhouse that is the Stars group. But when you really break it down, just the average Joe out there, the Bet Stars brand or Fox Bet brand, I think the Fox Bet brand is going to win nine times out of ten. Uh, 99 times out of 100 probably yeah Yeah, absolutely so i think this is such a massive massive deal and uh one of the one of the interesting aspects of this though is that sinclair broadcasting did win the rights to the fox sports regionals and so they're picking up over 20 networks that used to be under the fox banner and you kind of wonder how big that would have been for fox in holding on to those should you know, should this deal have maybe been in the works for a really, really long time? Of course, they've been trying to spin off these networks for 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 a big, you know, a long time. Then they sold them to Disney. Disney had to spin them off, and then Disney spin them off to to Sinclair. But you almost wonder if Fox knew that this if this was going to happen, they might have tried to hold on. Maybe not to all of them. Maybe they still would have sold some of the regionals to to Disney, but. Maybe they held on to some of the ones in key markets and some of the ones where they saw, you know, a clear path to legalize sports wagering or something, because being able to market 24 seven free of charge to potential customers or current customers would have just been so, so massive for Fox in this deal. Yeah. And now you've got Sinclair as a major player in sports betting i mean they're going to be they're going to be the next deal right i mean someone's going to strike a deal with these guys because they're they're hosting all these local market teams i mean what better way to market to to potential betters than these people who are tuning in strictly to watch you know their hockey team or their basketball team or their baseball team absolutely and even if they don't sinclair said it expects to generate between 1.5 billion and 2 billion dollars in ad revenue just from sportsbook operators so uh this is a (laughs) this is a huge reach for sinclair they are uh, it's 200 local tv stations 21 regional sports networks uh this i mean this is a monster company that is all of a sudden going to be pushing out and promoting sports betting Absolutely. We are going to be following this very, very closely to see how this all pans out, because if you listen to Sinclair talk, if you listen to Fox, they all expect something to be up and running by football season. So we are literally just a few months away from seeing how some of this stuff is going to play out. Now, this is a little bit longer of a lead. We're talking 2020 here, but big news coming out of Bristol yet again ESPN has teamed up with Caesars they are going to build a studio in Las Vegas over at the link which is dead center strip and they are going to be doing programming out of this studio at Caesars of course Caesars out of this not only gets the high profile uh, location of a studio in one of their properties but they are also now going to be the lines provider for all of ESPN programming and I think that is almost as big a deal as even having programming happen out of a studio out of one of your studios Brett because at the end of the day there's only going to be so much betting content that you can actually produce out of that studio but you can throw up lines for games basically all day long on your programming on ESPN you can throw up lines during your during your around the horns during your you know any of the any of the talk shows that you're doing as well so for Caesars to get that and for every single time they mention 
that a team is minus 125 or that some team is a six and a half point favorite at Caesar Sportsbook, Caesar Sportsbook, Caesar Sportsbook, Caesar Sportsbook, beating people over the head with this. I actually think that's the big win in this. I think so, too. This is all about brand exposure, right? Caesars has fallen behind in New Jersey, blame the lack of technology, blame the lack of marketing, whatever. What this deal does is attaches their brand, their name to all of the betting odds featured in ESPN content and programming. There's going to be a lot. There's already a lot. And it's only going to continue to grow in the coming years when sports betting is more accepted, more available to the masses. Uh, I think I think you're right. This is this this official odds data provider of ESPN is, is the big deal here. And we're not even, you know, I didn't even mention social reach even. I mean, you know, obviously the Sports Center and ESPN and NFL on ESPN, all of those Twitter accounts, all of those Instagram accounts have millions and millions and millions of followers. Whenever they cite some game that they're talking about, they're going to put the odds from Caesars. I mean, this to me, the the programming aspect and the studio aspect at the link is is by far secondary to just the fact that you're going to be getting beat over the head with Caesar's odds, Caesar's odds, Caesar's odds, Caesar's odds. And I mean, man, that is to me, I can't really put in into words how big I think that is. Yeah. And, and before this, it was, a you know, ESPN was using a variety of different uh, odds makers. They were using DraftKings. They were using Westgate. They were they were using some offshore sites for a while. Uh, it's only going to be Caesars going forward. It's going to be in your face. Uh, not every show on ESPN, not every article, but it's going to be more and more as we get closer to uh, to launch in a lot of these states. And if you're if you are coming out to Vegas again, that studio is not set to debut until 2020. So if you head over to the link and you don't see anything, that's because it's uh, it's not it's not built yet and it's not uh, it's not happening uh, quite yet. But you will be able to. Uh, check that out in 2020. Of course, this is on the heels of Caesars having a deal with Bleacher Report as well, Brett, that we talked about on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, where um, they're building a studio at actual Caesar, Caesars Palace Sportsbook as well. So Caesars is going to be not only in bed with ESPN, but with Bleacher Report as well, uh, have a studio at their at their marquee property. So Caesars really, really, really getting into the legal sports betting market here and think some really good partnerships on their part too. So very interested to see how that all plays out. Now, if you guys have listened to this podcast throughout the football season, we talked a little bit about these big sports betting contests. Of course, we talked about the DraftKings when that happened over in New Jersey that I uh, went over there and donked away that money in. And then, of course, we talked about the controversy that followed. One of the the precursor to all of that is the Westgate Super Contest. It's a $1,500 buy-in. We've bemoaned the payout structure time and time again. We won't get into that, but there is going to be a new contest if you Remember, we talked about how there is a new player in town here in Las Vegas. It is the people that run the D, Golden Gate, and then soon to be Circa that is being built in downtown Las Vegas. They will have their own sports betting group, which means they will not be using, you know, William Hill or CG or any of these companies. They're actually going to book their own games, do their own stuff, have their own apps and things like that. Well, they have announced a new contest, Brett, and... Man, I have I I I want th- they have some time to to amend this, and I really I really want them to amend this. Yeah, we're looking at a one thousand dollar buy-in. It's gonna be starting this year, so it's a one thousand dollar buy-in, one million dollars guaranteed to the winner. Uh, probably looking at some overlay, but I, th- if I'm not 
wrong. It is winner take all with some quarterly payouts. Is that right? I think they did come out and say they're going to pay the top 10. Okay. So they're going to pay the top 10 and then there will be quarterly payouts, but then that's it. And so what we're dealing with here is another one of these contests that you're going to get people who the casual person to enter and you know to most people putting up a thousand bucks to enter a contest is a really big deal i mean this is a lot of people aren't big sports bettors where putting four figures down on something is just is 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 easy and so you're going to have these casual bettors come in and they're going to put down their thousand dollars and then they're going to finish in 15th or 25th or 27th or 35th out of you know the thousand plus people that enter and they're going to say why the hell am I not taking home any money? And it's going to be a, a bad customer experience here. I just, I really, really, really don't understand why we can't understand these payout structures a little bit better in the sports betting industry. Whenever we went through the trials and tribulations in the poker industry, we used to have these super high, super top heavy payouts in the poker industry. And what we saw was it was killing the tournaments it was killing registration it was killing bankrolls and then they realized like oh wow we should not be doing this and then they stopped doing it and the the actual poker tournament trail here over the last few years has gotten much much healthier and i just don't know why we can't see the forest for the trees when it comes to these sports betting contests if you're circa i kind of get it for year one year if you one comp- year one right if, yeah. if you if you want to compete with the west gates and the DraftKings with these other you know these other handicapping competitions you need to go big with a flashy top prize, flashy top prize in year one that's going to get, get attention make a splash but this is more about retention long term you know you need to flatten the payout structure so that more people get paid and then come back next year and the year after that you know, west gate's been paying out the top one to three percent for how many years? Like right. I've been in this contest for five years and never sniffed the money, even though my team's entries have done pretty well. You know, if you pay the top ten percent, we would have cashed last year. You give us a story to tell, right? We, you know, and then you know people start learning more about it by word of mouth. You hook more people into what has the potential to be a huge gambling contest. I hope that's the vision that Stevens has. For this, I hope that you know ultimately we're looking at something that you know people can play over and over again, and, and more people get paid uh, because all, these top-heavy payouts are just not sustainable, as we've learned, like you said, in the poker industry. Nobody is going to complain about turning a thousand dollars into five hundred thousand. Like, I mean, nobody is going to complain about it. Five hundred xing your money. Nobody is going to complain about that whatsoever. And then you think about it, that is five hundred thousand more dollars to spread out across the prize pool and there is just and, and you know one of the things that I've I've said and you know again if you're listening out there anyone over at the D at Circa whatever I mean I, I steal this I don't you you can even create a positive experience without even having to have someone win actual cash prizes like Brett you're talking about like you guys haven't even sniffed the cash but what if you're for your you know your 78th place finish you would have gotten entry into the contest next year like so you're you know you're basically just getting your money back essentially it's a it's a voucher to enter the contest the next year as opposed to coming up completely empty-handed like i think that that even is something you could do if you wanted to pay out 
you know, the top 50, top 75 spots, and then maybe the next 50 or so spots is just an entry into the contest next year or something like that. I mean, you're just creating more positive experiences, more stories, more reason for people to keep coming back. Now, the one thing Circa did announce that is 100% in the right right move here is they are going to allow people that are at least within the Nevada state lines to be able to make their picks on an app, which is so incredibly huge because the super contest, you cannot do that. And what you found is people like me who live out in, you know, in the suburbs, because I live out in Summerlin and I'm a good 30 minutes away from the Westgate is I have to pay another human being to go make picks for me because I, you know, the, the time commitment to go and do that is, is too much. And so at least they did say that they are going to allow you to make the picks on the app. I don't want to I don't want to dump on the Westgate because they they had the vision of this contest to begin with. But how is it 2019 and they don't have an app for this yet? How is that possible? It should literally just be the super contest app. It's like it should just be completely separate from their actual sports betting app. I mean, you're you get an account. It is your it is your super contest account. When they give when you sign up, you get the little card with your account number on it anyway. You know, so like it literally that you already have a separate super contest account. So just put it into a super contest app. I mean, it's it's I had to pay a guy an extra three hundred dollars for the last however many years to go make picks for me because I'm not always readily available to 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 get over there between the, the deadline, you know, when the odds come out and when the deadline is. Yeah, give us an app where you can make your picks and then follow the the standings and right. you, it's impossible to find anything on that website. Like I, I said, I didn't want to dump on the Westgate. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm going to stop here. But yeah, it's it, there's there's a lot of room for comp. Let's just say there's a lot of room for competition right now with these contests, and hopefully Circa gets it right. Yeah, absolutely. And and if for the other books out there and the other providers out there, there is a market for a smaller contest, and I can guarantee you that. I mean, this is another thing that we've seen throughout you know the other forms of gambling we've seen it in poker we've seen it in dfs yeah there are the high rollers and there are the people that want to put down the thousand to win a million but there are equally amount uh, enough people who would put down 300 or 500 to win 250,000 or to win 300,000 and they would feel very very happy about that and they wouldn't have to go try to find three other buddies to get you know pool up money to so that they can make a 1500 or a thousand dollar buy-in they could stomach a 200 dollar 250 dollar buy-in and and understand that they're not going to take home a million but a quarter million or a 200,000 dollar score off of that is still pretty big so there is a market for for a a smaller contest and I hope somebody Somebody out there, Brett, somebody listens to this and somebody takes note because, man, that would that would be neat. Even if you allowed multiple entries, right? Like like maybe you could put in three entries at 200 bucks or whatever it might be. That might be more appealing to me than these super top heavy contests. Curious to see if we see something like that happen in New Jersey and Pennsylvania with DraftKings or some of these other providers uh, maybe this year. Yeah, we will. We will certainly see. There's going to be something happen. We just don't know what it is, but it's certainly going to happen here. And finally, as we get out of here, guys, gambling compliance, they did put out some projections. We talk about this market all the time and what they think. By 2024, Brett, they are saying 34 states legal by 2024, 5.7 billion in annual revenue by 2024. They still think the biggest markets will be the markets you would assume, New York, New Jersey, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Of course, those are the 
Uh, three of those just being population heavy. And of course, Nevada just being kind of the godfather of sports betting, being out here on the West Coast and, and things like that. Certainly not going to have sports betting in California anytime soon. So you still get that <laughs> action over here in Nevada. But 34 states by 2024. That is uh, that's pretty crazy because, man, that's going to be here before we know it. I mean, that really is right around the corner. Yeah. Which states are we leaving out here? Then I mean, obviously California, I guess, I guess, you know, if. Florida is not included in the biggest markets that rules out Florida. Texas will be ruled out as well. So man, 34 states. That is that's pretty exciting, man. I, you know, considering, like you said, considering where, where we were two years ago, it, this just it's it's amazing where we are and where we're headed. If you guys want some PGA championship stuff, some Preakness stuff, some NBA playoff stuff, of course, Head to the lines, head to play picks. We have picks articles on play picks. We'll have breakdowns and inside information over on the lines. As always, of course, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Please go rate, review. Give us like a five-star thing, man. Uh, you, come on. It's very easy to do. Just click the button. We would really, really appreciate it. You can find us on the Twitter machine at the lines us at play picks us at brett colson and at matt brown m2 special thanks to john anik for joining us this week for brett i am matt talk to you guys next week